You're listening to Indispensable, a weekly show with occasional expert guests discussing and celebrating our It's Business, Not Social philosophy and framework. I'm Colleen McKenna, your host. I'm the author of It's Business, Not Social and a longtime blogger, speaker, LinkedIn trainer, and coach. Listen weekly to stay up to date with all the latest trends, updates, strategies, and tools around LinkedIn. And every once in a while, we'll probably include some of our other favorite tools as well. Let's jump in. Welcome back to Indispensable. Today, Jim Cusick and I are gonna continue our conversation on content, posting, and we're gonna move into LinkedIn's marketing and advertising campaigns. So welcome back, Jim. How's it going? Good. It's good. We have a lot to cover last time, and we thought it would be best to do a part two so we wouldn't overwhelm people with lots of information that's kind of, you kind of have to look at it and digest it. There's a lot to this topic, and it's forever changing. So how about if we jump in and really flip our focus today from part one, where we talked about using content as an individual to now talking about content from a company page. Different perspective, equally as important, and actually maybe even more challenging for lots of reasons, which we'll cover in today's session. So thoughts on how to best use a company page, first of all, Jim? Yeah, I think it's important to, to note, first of all, that when you're looking at your own content for your personal brand, Leveraging your company page and being part of that, the posts that are already occurring, um, that content that's already going out there is an important piece. So while we're talking about these in two different parts, the individual, typically, as we said in the first podcast, has uh, individuals of a company have 10 times more followers um, than the company will have on their company page. So it is important to, to note that relationship and make sure that you're working in tandem to promote not only your a personal brand, but that company brand as well. So when we look at the company page, it really needs to be just like a LinkedIn profile is a succinct microsite that, that tells your unique story and attracts whether it's new hires, potential clients, new strategic partners in an easy way and, and having that succinct message and then having that content that backs up that message that's either pulling traffic to your company page or engaging those followers and keeping you top of mind um, for any reason that it would apply to your business. And I know lots of companies that of all sizes who are putting all that content up, they're investing in really great content. It's on their website. They've moved it over to these other platforms. It's on their LinkedIn company page. And yet we continually see really low engagement on those posts. And I encourage all marketing teams to really work with their sales teams and other functional groups within their company to really share those posts. And it really is a struggle regardless of the size of the company. And I know we've talked about that a lot. Can you share some of your thoughts on how companies can really encourage their employees to share content in a more effective way? Yeah, I think the, the when you look at LinkedIn, you have to understand that 
not only are most users popping in and out on their uh, during their workday or, or during their week, but 60% are on their phone. They're on a mobile device and they are, that's how they're taking in that content. Um, and that's how they also would be sharing that content. So it does make it easier when you make things simpler to share, when you create content that's quickly digestible, they can understand what it is and they can, there's a, and most people don't realize this, but you can actually save posts for later on LinkedIn. They can mark them for later on to go back and read and, and maybe that improves their um, thought leadership themselves or it teaches them something they didn't know, any of those things. But that first piece of content needs to be really digestible. And if it's like that, you're going to have your employees more likely to share it because it's something that even if it comes across in their network and they don't have target customers, those people would still like that content. So that's why you're and when you look in your own LinkedIn feed, you're seeing more videos, more images, that's stuff that's just easy to share and easy to see. The other thing is it's really putting that platform together for your uh, employees that they understand what the reasoning is behind LinkedIn. Uh, whenever I do profile interviews for um, our profile development, one of the first questions I ask is, how are you currently using LinkedIn? And a lot of people just say, I'm, I'm posting, but there's no, when you start to peel back the onion there and talk to them about what they're posting, what they're sharing, it's, they're never talking about their company content, or if they are talking about their company content, it's just sharing it and putting hashtag, if it was us, hashtag advisory three times um, and keeping it in that echo chamber. So um, if you can make it easier from a marketing perspective to get that content out there and have your people share it and have them understand the why behind it, and it's not to solicit their friends or, or family, um, it's to build that brand, that's going to immediately, you're going to see a, a better ROI than anything else you're going to do from a content standpoint. And you twice you said easily digestible. Let's talk a little bit about what is easily digestible content. Well, let me ask you, Colleen, what, what content already today, three hours into the workday, what have you looked at as far as content that you've already digested? So a couple of um, updates on my LinkedIn feed where I might actually go in and message that person. So two people I actually said hello to already this morning. Um, I might comment on their posts if I can take in their posts really quickly. I have been known to do a save for later because I don't have time to read that longer form content that they might be working on. I see or that they've posted. I see that a lot of people are beginning to share more video, which I like. Um, I have actually turned off the setting in my feed, though, for auto-playing video. So, you know, I can go through my, my homepage pretty quickly. I can point out particular articles and I try to comment where it's appropriate and where I think I can add value or just encourage that other person. Yeah, and when you, you touched on there that, that saved the, for later and you use that as well, um, it's easy to get distracted in the, the LinkedIn feed and, and other, I mean, other platforms as well. Um, but the worst thing is when you, you see content that you think is easily digestible, it's going to be a quick read and it's going to provide some value. And it really was a, a clickbait title and um, actually didn't provide any new information. Um, and that, that's something that you have to watch out when you're, you're talking about making content easy to digest, but also it needs to provide value. So it can't just be a, a clickbait title or um, a 
a hot topic that would make people stop, but then you don't provide any new thought around it. You're not sharing anything that um, benefits that person. So while making it simple, it still needs that, as we talked about in that first, would be relevant. Yeah, I'm all about saying to clients, please add your insight to it. You know, and very often, I think a lot of times people don't, even when they're sharing it from their company page, is they're just nervous about making a mistake, saying something wrong, not being really, really sort of confident about, do I put a hashtag in? Don't I put a hashtag in? Just last week, um, this is a really great example of something that kind of always makes me crazy. The first person um, I saw last week in my feed was a former client and good friend. We've done some coaching over the years and he was featured um, in a podcast. He was interviewed in the podcast and it was from a city business journal. Well, that content that the, the business publication posted when I clicked on it to watch that podcast and just, I wasn't going to watch, you know, 20 minutes of it. I just wanted to see the first couple of minutes um, was behind a paywall. So I'm not a subscriber to that publication. So I couldn't see it. So I quickly sent him a message and just said, Hey, made my day to see you um, being featured on this podcast. We would have really loved to have watched it. He was like, you couldn't see it. I'm like, Nope, it was behind a paywall and I'm not a subscriber. So that was also posted on YouTube. He went in and he was texting me as he was doing it. He went in and said, um, reposted it and created his own unique post, but pulled the podcast from YouTube. And as he's texting me, he's like, I think I can do it. I don't think I need to jump on a Zoom call with you. And he got it posted. Looks great had far, obviously far more engagement because people could actually see him in action during the podcast. So that kind of content, which could have been easily digestible, we need to be careful because it was actually behind a paywall. And lots of really great content is. That's cool that it's behind a paywall, right? That's their business model. So we need to, be, but we need to be careful what we're posting and will people, people be able to access it? Yeah. And if you're, so that's a great point. And if you're looking at say the wall street journal, it doesn't hurt to still share that article because there's other ways for people to get that article or that, that thought, but actually give a a summary then that that talks about what's in there and why someone would want to go find that article, that podcast, different scenario, but don't, it doesn't mean that you can't share the article, but it it definitely means you got to be a little bit more creative with how you present that to your audience. Exactly. I mean, I've been known to take a screenshot, um, just a quick picture of a Wall Street Journal article that I've kind of marked up and used that screenshot as the image in the post for a great Wall Street Journal article that I've read and referenced it from there and actually disclosed the reason I'm doing it this way is because you actually don't have access to it unless you're a digital subscriber. So I'm kind of working around it, but I want to make some things um, viewable and then talk about and add my point of view to it. So I think that adding the, that point of view is absolutely so important for people to understand who you are and what your thinking is and your level of expertise around said topic. What's your thought on that? No, that's a great idea. And it's not to... Um, with any of these publications, not to not get them the money that they're 
they need to, to run their business because, um, I mean, they could get new subscribers out of that Wall Street Journal article, but it's showing that quick highlight for sure. And I, I think when, and this going back into the, the company pages, I think when you're, you're thinking about LinkedIn content, it's a little bit different than something that's always going to be on the, the blog of your website or in other places. If, uh, for example, talking to a marketing manager at a home services company, and he was asking about content, I said, you could just take, if you have a, a 10 things to think about before this winter around your home blog that probably got a lot of engagement and is useful to people, you could break that down with 10 nice images of your crew, specific things, maybe things they need to look at that was one of the 10 on that list and break it into 10 different LinkedIn posts while also mixing in other thought leadership type um, high engagement or things that really get high engagement, which are things around the company culture, um, celebrate, celebratory posts. And in the same time, sometimes posts that are about more sad and somber topics too, they get heavy engagement. And, and when you're looking at that, mixing those in um, to let people see behind the curtain of your uh, company while also providing that that leadership right there you could get 20 posts and not have to do a lot of heavy lifting I think that's um really a smart point because we tend to go from one piece and promote it one way one you know one time to the next piece and we're not thinking about repackaging it on different platforms or in different ways and we all need to get more engagement from the content that we currently have then continually be just like, okay, what's the next post, right? And, and not going back and reviewing the posts that we have done and seeing what really resonates with company page followers. Every admin has access to analytics from their company page to begin to understand, hey, this post, you know, we see that it got engagement, but let's, let's go a little bit deeper and better understand this and then create more of that kind of content. And I think um, very often people don't pay a lot of attention to their analytics from their company page. Yeah, and that's a, a great lead into actually that, that sponsored content piece because we're always organic first. And if you go in, LinkedIn actually separates when you do sponsor a post, the sponsored um, results and compares them to the organic results. And typically when just looking at um, some of our, our clients and, and looking at our posts in general, typically you're getting significant 10, 20 times more views of the post, but what's when you sponsor it, but what's that engagement like? Cause typically when you look at that engagement to total amount of people that have seen it, the percentages are a lot lower, the click-through rates, the conversions than you would get organically makes sense. Organic people, they already know your brand. They trust your brand. So it's not saying that moving to, to sponsoring anything on LinkedIn is a bad idea because um, we think it's a great idea, uh, but the organic way to do it is always the, the first place you should start in building that foundation. And easiest way to do it, go into your company page right now. If you're the admin, go to a post at the bottom, there should be a down arrow uh, where you can click in impressions and you can see exactly the data of who's seeing your post, um, the click-through rates, conversion rates, just from your, your free LinkedIn company page. If you do sponsor it, you'll see the same exact data, as I mentioned, with that sponsored, and you can basically see how they are comparing the two. Now, when you have a sponsored post, you're looking at broadening your audience. You're, you really got to define your goals before you create that sponsored post um, or sponsor a current post that got good engagement that you want out there. Because if you don't have the right target audience 
defined, it doesn't matter where LinkedIn puts it. Um, you're not going to see the results that you want. The other thing is, if you if you think about the customer journey when they're seeing that content, really, what do you think their end goal is going to be from reading the content? Is it just they learn something, they move on with their day? Is it they convert to a follower? Or is it, are you trying to convert them to a customer? And with those goals, and there's a lot of other goals you can have in there, when you start there and start to work reverse engineer and work backwards on how you want to get there, you're going to be more successful. I think um, something you mentioned really, really, really key, having a strategy, outlining the goals. Um, just last week, I had a conversation with someone who said, everyone tells me I have to do sponsored content and do paid, paid campaigns. Okay. I don't, I don't know who everyone is. Okay. But however, we'll, we'll you know, sure. Um, however, you're just not, in my estimation, when I reviewed everything, there was no way this company was ready for that kind of spending that money in that way at this point. And when I said, well, where are you going to lead people to? What do you mean? Right. They're, the, building these campaigns within LinkedIn or on any platform, you have to kind of think through what's, what's the step. What are you hoping, as you said, to gain and I'm like, well, if we're going to send people to the website, you're not going to be able to see who those people are unless you ask them to, for their name and email or company name, right? Through a lead gen form, we have to have a, a specific landing page. Do you have content that they can download? What is it that you're going to give them or you want them to do um, in return for providing their information? And, you know, so it sounds really simple. Yeah, let's just do an ad campaign. But there's a lot to think about as you go through that process because you want to set it up to optimize for the budget that you were putting toward that campaign. And LinkedIn's campaign manager, like many things on LinkedIn, is not necessarily intuitive. It's complicated. There's a lot of kind of live testing that we see most clients will need to go through in order to kind of get their campaigns really in a good position. What do you think about that? Yeah, that intuitive piece um, with LinkedIn's campaign manager. It, so you're looking at 630 plus million LinkedIn members across the globe, 30 million plus businesses. However, that's businesses of all shapes and sizes. Um, it could be certain people on their profile have that they're the owner of a business, but it could be a, a small, what would be more defined as a side hustle that could be rolled up in owners that you're targeting. So when you're building that audience within campaign manager, it's just going off of the data that people have put into LinkedIn. It's it's why automation on LinkedIn struggles so much is because people fill in fields differently. They define themselves differently than the general audience. So that some of that is going to be part of the, the hit or miss within your um, your campaign. The other thing is as you get more accurate and more targeted in a smaller laser-like approach within campaign manager, your dollar amount to target those people goes up significantly. Um, now, LinkedIn does not want to be a spammy platform. Um, so they limit how many certain things of sponsored content, sponsored messages you can get in a certain period of time. And that's why you're bidding against other companies and just bidding against LinkedIn in general on where you're going to show up uh, and who you're going to show up to. And when, like I said, when you get more targeted, it's going to get more ex expensive. Um, so that's why that organic approach first is going to be more cost effective, but it's also going to be more successful. However, 
if you do have the budget, you do have really good content and you have a strategy behind it. Sponsored content, sponsored emails are a great way to really increase that brand and increase that visibility. Yeah. I think that that's a really um, great way to kind of frame everything on LinkedIn. Cause sometimes people will say, Oh, is it like doing a Facebook post? And I'm like, no, not really, not quite. Um, I'm not doing Facebook posts, but I have to believe it's a, it's quite a bit different. And we want to think about it in terms of how it fits in with, with some of the other work that you're doing on LinkedIn. Um, we do have some clients that are doing paid campaigns corporately and then with their field teams working, um, you know, they're doing their outreach in a certain way. So you want to make sure that these different strategies that you can employ on LinkedIn dovetail as opposed to confuse. And we always want to make sure that as we're talking to clients, we're like, mm, that might be confusing or be clear. These are the reasons you're, we don't think that you are ready yet. Like max out all the things that you can do on LinkedIn and then apply some of these more sophisticated strategies. And, you know, I think when companies hear that kind of perspective, they do typically pause. And I know you've worked with a number of companies over the last few months where you've really helped them take their content in a completely different direction, just organically. Yeah. That, that is, again, that is, and we're going to repeat it till we're blue in the face, but that organic um, presence on LinkedIn is definitely the, the definitely where you need to start. You're also cutting, um, I pulled a, a stat, uh, there's 280 billion feed updates last year on LinkedIn. It's a lot of noise to cut through. Um, a there's a lot, a lot that you have to get through um, to get in front of your, your people. And that first, second, third touch might not always resonate. But if you understand how many different ways you can touch somebody on LinkedIn without it coming off as a stalker or inauthentic, then you should really look at it and say, okay, where, where do we know we cut through the noise? Where do we know we differentiate ourselves? And where do we know we can provide value? And if our current clients, old clients, prospective clients see it, they'll all be interested and engaged in the type of thing that we're putting out there. Mm -hmm. Two other points I want to bring up on the company page. The first is, um, you know, I know as we talk with clients, we're always encouraging them to broaden the types of content that they're putting on the company page so it doesn't just become a monologue. Product, services, pitching over and over, because I think that people just kind of tune out to that. And you brought up showcasing culture. Even right now with many companies having distributed teams working remotely, there are really kind of, there are some easy ways that you can still showcase culture. Maybe, you know, one of the things I love is, um, you know, featuring a client, featuring an employee, just kind of doing shout outs, maybe for, you know, the industry. And, you know, when you look and are reviewing company pages, what's your thought on how well companies are creating kind of a more interesting place for people to get to know them. And trust me, we're, we also struggle with this too, right? Like this is hard. Yeah, it is hard. I would say not enough. It's almost like it's two ends of the uh, extreme. It's either they're not showcasing it at all because they're concerned about 
either the types of things they are going to showcase, they don't know where they're going to showcase things or what specifically to showcase, or they don't want to showcase employees because they have this old myth um, in their head that people are going to steal their people if they're active on LinkedIn and active on their company website. So it's kind of let's hide them (laughs) and let them do their jobs, which is a very closed-minded and actually it's a myth. Like I said, myth. It's a, it's a myth. Your people are going to leave if they're going to leave for other reasons than you, you putting them out there to make them more visible. Um, the other end of the spectrum is it's this echo chamber where you see the same people get the same celebrations. It's only, it's us, us, us. It's the same hashtag X company possible, X company purpose, X company fun. And that's not the way to do it either. So when you're at these two ends of these extremes, you're either continuing to, to be in that echo chamber, not reaching that new audience, or you're missing the boat from a, a recruiting perspective, or clients like to work with people they trust. If they see that everyone at, at the company is celebrating each other, moving towards the same goal, they're going to be more likely to pick you over somebody else. Now there's other factors that go into it, but doesn't hurt. So I think a, a long-winded way to say that is, yeah, there's no, I don't see a huge volume of companies doing it well because it is difficult. But there's definitely way too many companies in those two ends of the spectrum. And I think they're just damaging themselves and they'd be better off taking a, a simple strategy to it. And but I think it'd be helpful for an example. So like if we're if we look at us being a family, heavy family, family owned and, and family operated business, but everyone on our team provides a a high value and we've we've actually moved to um, showcasing the experts that we are all on LinkedIn. So instead of just continuously saying, great job, Sarah, great job, Meredith, we've each taken it upon ourselves to create these LinkedIn tutorials on YouTube, and we're celebrating our expertise in those areas that way, but also providing value to um, our clients. So not saying that's a perfect way to do it, but I think that strikes a good balance where it's not just, great job, we, we closed another deal, we did a gym hit his thing or missed his thing again, great Great job. Um, it's no, we're showcasing our expertise. We're showcasing the topics that we know matter to the people that are asking us the questions. And we're giving everybody on our team uh, a piece of the spotlight to, to grow their own network and, and their own personal brand. I want to just play off of that for a second. It has always been um, very important to me that the blogs that we do, the content that we create doesn't come from marketing the department. It comes from an individual and that individual is showcasing their expertise. Everybody on our team, like you said, small team, small but mighty. We Everybody has great insight based on the work that they do for, the, for our clients. And I usually encourage our clients or the people we're talking to what if somebody had a byline on that blog instead of it just coming from the company or marketing? It makes a huge difference in the, and I believe when I'm reading and I read a lot um, on LinkedIn and off of LinkedIn, when it comes from the company, it has a different sort of vibe to me or level of credibility than if it comes from an individual within the company. And that could be how I perceive it, but I think I'm probably not too far off on that. I just like reading from individuals more than I like it coming from the marketing department. Yeah, I think it's a, I think that's a great point. It, it adds that personalization, but it also it will create more engagement. 
Absolutely. And last point, and then we'll kind of wrap up. One of the newer features LinkedIn has rolled out on company pages is the ability to have different levels of administrators on your company page. And, you know, we have often over the years seen where the summer intern, uh, the marketing coordinator who only stayed a few months was the only the sole administrator for the LinkedIn company page. They leave because, you know, that summer intern had to go back to school and nobody has keys to the LinkedIn company page. So no keys to the kingdom. And then it's very difficult to kind of get that from LinkedIn and figure this out. So I have always recommended that you have at least two or three people become the admin. And now what I've seen LinkedIn roll out are these various levels of um, administrative access, which I think is really, really smart on LinkedIn's um, perspective. Maybe I wish they had done this years and years ago. So you can have that admin who has access to everything. Then you can have another role who, uh, for a person who's just putting up content. Because, you know, for many, a lot of times their company pages being maybe um, managed by their outside agency, marketing agency, for example. So I, I do think that that is something that people should be aware of. And for us, we have a number of admins. I think we're all admins, once again, small team. So high level of trust and it's all good. I'm fine with anybody posting on our company page. Hopefully, and we'll see this kind of evolve with LinkedIn's change and upcoming changes to the company page area, this more ability to create different roles for different people in the organization. The bigger your organization, the harder this is to manage. Jim, do you have any thoughts about these different roles in terms of access? No, I, I think it was a, a great add-on. Like you said, in our in our team, we're all super admins is the, the term there where we have that full access. But I think having multiple content admins, if you do have a, a process in place and everyone's following roughly the same workflow, is beneficial for, for not only what you talked about as, as keeping multiple users on the page, but, but having that ability where people can step in and make sure that the content is continuing and that you guys are, are hitting those, whether you make it once a week, twice a week, every single day, you're hitting those numbers um, and you're, you have multiple people holding the company accountable. So I do think the, the content admins are important. And then for those larger enterprise level companies, that analyst role that essentially will um, allow them to see how the, the things are doing performing analytics wise definitely is beneficial because while you don't want to give everybody access um, to that to that content piece, it is helpful to have people to be able to go in there and see how things are doing and then provide their two cents on how it could be potentially better or more efficient. Yeah, it goes back to, you know, I've often said LinkedIn is a team sport, right? Mm -hmm. We, you know, we, we, see it as an individual profile. People own their own LinkedIn profile, but from a company perspective, we need everybody um, to engage on some level and we need other people to kind of manage and really carry the um, initiative throughout the organization. So it is a team sport from a company perspective. This has been good conversation, and I hope people have taken one or two nuggets away from thinking about content, campaigns, how they're looking at their analytics within LinkedIn's company page, 
and or within their company page on LinkedIn, I should say. And we will be back with Jim to talk about some other topics, including recruiting, business development, and some additional work on like really building out a strategy for ongoing engagement. So I hope you'll tune back in next time and we'll be continuing these conversations where we hope we are adding greater value to your LinkedIn initiative. Thanks. And until then, have a great day. For show notes, be sure to check out Intero's website, interoadvisory.com. Let's connect on LinkedIn. Again, I'm Colleen McKenna. And check out Intero Advisory on YouTube and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to Indispensable.